Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 192 of Getting It Out Podcast. That was Antichrist Siege Machine with Unleashed Hostility. That's from their new record, Purifying the Blade, out October 8th on Profound Lore Records. A nice combination of black and death metal from right here in the United States. Why I said it like that, I'd have no idea. But yes, they are from Richmond, Virginia. And that's usually where you hear all sorts of good hardcore coming from. But uh, you know what? There is a shitload of great metal coming out of Richmond. Always has been. Just an excellent underground music scene overall there in Virginia. They got nothing else going on, right? Virginia, the home state of zero sports teams, I believe. So zero professional sports teams, I believe. So they got nothing else to do. Because as we know, the world is all about sports and uh, heavy metal. Or punk rock or hardcore. But it's sports first and then music. And the crazy thing is is that Virginia even added a second state. They were like, let's do another one. Virginia part two over here on the west side. And uh, like, nope, there's definitely no sports teams there. There's rarely people there as well. A lot of trees, though. There are a lot of trees in West Virginia. Um, And uh, so that's, that's, anyway, this band, Antichrist Siege Machine, is from Richmond, Virginia. has nothing to do with sports or West Virginia. All right, but it does have to do with good blackened death metal. All right, speaking of good death metal, this week's episode features an interview with Andy and Ed, and they joined me for this conversation all the way from Nottingham, England, and we had a nice chat. Mostly speaking about their recently released Prosthetic Records debut, Our Kingdom Undone. So let's get to it. Chicky! Make family and a friend, make friends and an enemy Peace to my family, make friends till they bury me All the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out I said all the places we've been, we're never sitting it out We be getting it in, where you getting it out Okay, so before we get too far into this episode I wanted to share a very exciting moment that happened to me. I went to my one of my daughter's uh, back-to-school nights this week. Ninth grade, which is crazy. Interesting to be in high school. Yo, high schools are nice as shit these days. When I went to high school, uh, the high school that I was in, it, we didn't have any floors or ceilings. And I don't mean that the way that they they weren't there. They were there. They were just exposed. It was it was like scraped up floors and uh, and like you could see the the. The, the pipes and the wires and the, the the beams in the ceilings like all over the entire school that's the way it was because uh prior to me getting there they started construction on it and then somehow it got on defunded and uh then they didn't do shit to the school for the entire four years i was there while people were on strike or something i don't remember how it actually went but uh but yeah no floors or ceilings in my school for the entire time i was in high school and that's the way it was. And it was like some old shitty school from the 60s. So it sucked, right? And it was tiny because people back then were much smaller. People, it was like, there were like Ewoks back then. They were like, uh, what, what do they call the, the pygmies? That's, that's why people used to be in the 60s in America, as I understand it. Um, may, maybe. I think I might be getting that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the way it was. Anyway, so my only experience with a high school is like a, is like a piece of shit, right? Like, and nobody would want to go there. Um, actually, there, there was a big deal about my high school uh, back in around 2004. So that was after I graduated. But it, like, The Daily Show even went there to make fun of it because, uh, 
because they were trying to teach uh, intelligent design in it, and it became this big national debate. Anyway, it was uh, it's funny. There's still some clips of that online. You can find that out there if you really want to. Dover, Pennsylvania. Look at it. Anyway, so we're at uh, my one of our daughters' um, uh, back to school nights, and that's at the high school. And the high school is just nice, man. It's just like there's there's like the the workout facilities are crazy. There's an indoor track. There's like four arenas. They even call them arenas. That's insane. They call them arenas. Um, there's, you know, of course, the auditorium. The seats, I think, might even have cup holders. I don't remember. I don't remember that for sure. But it's like a movie theater, right? This place is, is awesome. And it's like 30 years old. How does this happen? I'm not that old. I'm only 36. About to be 37. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this school got this nice in that period of time. What was I missing? Is this the way schools were when I was in school? I just went to a shitty place. That's very likely... But I'm not sure. Anyway, my point of this story, other than being like, holy shit, one of the kids is in high school, is that I'm standing there and I see this guy walk by me. And he's a really tall guy. And uh, this is my hope that maybe this really tall guy listens to this podcast because this guy walks by me. And at first I notice he's wearing a Nile shirt. And I was like, all right, that's a little weird to wear your death metal t-shirt to back to school night. But I like that. That I like Nile. Nile's cool. Um, and then I look upon his very tall head, and he's wearing a 76ers hat, too. Like, holy, hold, wait a minute. You were like me, but bigger. And I'm not small. So this guy was clearly like a professional wrestler or something. And, uh, and he liked the 76ers and Nile. And uh, that's like, I told my wife I was going to ask him out or I was going to eat lunch with him. I forget what I said, but it was something uh, like making a move at the guy. I was going to become best friends. I kept hoping our kids had classes together so I could sit beside him and... Uh, and say things like, I like, <laughs> I like your shirt and hat. That would have been my opener. Uh, I like those two things that you are, are, are promoting. Those are like my two favorite things, music and sports. And of course, specifically, death metal and, and the 76ers. We could have talked for minutes without it getting awkward, I bet. I mean, less than five minutes probably because masks and all that stuff. But, and, and the fact that it was back to school night. But anyway... Back to school night. That's the second one we attended this year. Uh, the first one was digital, which is weird. Um, but I'm glad these kids are back in school. Had to have one come home for a time period because there was a, a COVID exposure. And that's weird. Now, even though we've been home with them for like two years now, it's just a weird adjustment to make on the fly all of a sudden. And uh, that almost put this interview with Beyond Grace in jeopardy. These guys were cool enough to reschedule with me. And we got it all done. And it's ready to go, and it's ready for you to hear. So you're going to hear my conversation with Andy and Ed, and we're going to again talk about their new record, Our Kingdom Undone, and all sorts of other things that have to do with Beyond Grace. So here. But first, you should listen to a song from Beyond Grace. This is Hive Mind. Oh 
got to say, first of all, a little bit disappointed uh, in you, Andy, right now because you got sleeves on. And everything that I've seen <laughs> up until now, this you're not a, you're not a sleeve oh, guy. I don't have to take this. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely vest guy in the band here. Yeah. <laughs> really hot up there. How are you mocking me? You're the topless guy in the band. <laughs> he just takes it a step further, you know? He wears, he wears fewer clothes than I do. I, this, this digression will not stand. <laughs> well, you know, that, that makes me think, though. I saw a guy one time. I've seen, I've seen lots of guys, but there was one guy in particular I used to see every day when I was out in my neighborhood, and he always had his sleeves cut off, but then he had tattooed sleeves, too. And I like, could never figure out, is this a guy who hates sleeves? I don't think so. I think it's a guy who loves sleeves. You know, so he only, he only loves them one one color and one length. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll have right. that permanently. All right, fellas. You know, um, I, I had to. Uh, it, I was working today and had a few meetings. And to be fair, I have done quite a few meetings in like a vest when I've been working out. And I do some of my um, work meetings if I don't have to be on camera. I'll do them on my recumbent bike I got recently off eBay. Just, yeah. Like cycle while I'm doing it, listening. <laughs> but I had to be on camera today. So I'll, I'll I'll brush up. I'll actually wear it, an actual t-shirt. I mean, where do I start with you guys? All right. Well, I don't know. How about you? How about you start it for me? It's kind of basically. When did each of you first find what we can just call extreme music? What was your first exposure, and uh, and why did it stick with you? The funny thing about this one, I guess, is the answer to this is kind of the same as to how I joined the band. Oh, yeah. um, I'd always been into like rock and stuff growing up and i got a little bit into metal kind of metallica and stuff like that um in my teens but i'd never i'd never really got into extreme music until i think i was i must have been maybe like very early 20s and um someone i knew who ran a couple of bars in nottingham was uh they'd been contracted to provide the bars for bloodstock festival which is a pretty big metal festival over here. Um, And he knew I was into heavier music. And he was like, do you want to come along and work on the bar? Um, So I did. And obviously I had a lot of downtime when I wasn't working. And, you know, so I went to check out bands because I was there and like really loved it. Really enjoyed loads of stuff that I was hearing. Um, And then on the last day, they were really overstaffed. So they were just like, you know, if you don't need to work, just go enjoy the festival. So later that evening, after quite a lot of beer, um, I was I was watching Arch Enemy, and uh, bumped into Andy, who I kind of who I already vaguely knew. Um, he was like, "Oh, I I didn't know you're into this kind of thing." And I, in my drunken state, was like, "Yeah, I'm loving it. I'm going in the pit," and just ran off. <laughs> I I remember quite distinctly you sort of spinning out of the pit, just going, "Ed," you like almost rammed into me. No, this is this is what are the odds in this sort of place? And Bloodstock then was smaller than it is now, but it still wasn't small. Right. Um, and and you grabbing me and going, I love this stuff. I wish I could like I wish I could like hear and do more of this stuff. And then like I said after like, I'm drunk. Uh, and then you got dragged off again. And I went, oh, no. <laughs> do you now? And uh, about two days later, I got an email from Andy being like, so want to play in a band? <laughs> and here we are today. So were you already know- did you already know that he was a drummer? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, his, uh, we were all sort of vaguely linked by the, the band society on, in our uni um, and uh, his other bands, Stuntmen 
uh, we're like a prog and funk band. Um, so I know he had chops, if you know what I mean. He just yeah. he wasn't a metal drummer. <clears throat> uh, I quite like the fact that he's not a metal drummer. He doesn't play basic metal beats, which, I thought, <laughs> which is always fun. Um, it was just like, once I got him then, we basically just sat him down and said, Ed, just play everything you do now three times as fast. <laughs> right. And were you, Andy, were you already, were you already in bands at that point? Um, I'd been in a you know, little fun little covers band you played for your friends when you were young, that sort of thing. Um, and then I was in the sort of proto form of, it's weird to say it's this band because it, it's gone through so many member changes and, and style changes, stuff like that. I, I almost don't count the early versions of it as being, if you're, if you're Metal Archives, you can see they've got, you know, Threnody, then Budgard, then this. And that set it was quite a linear progression when it really wasn't. It was one band sort of ended and we said, we, we still want to work together, but we don't want to do the same thing over and over again because that's insanity. So we changed and improved a bit and then we stopped again. Uh, I think because someone else had the name and politely requested we um, change name. And we had a, a meeting in the pub. Why do, Ed, why do all our um, stories revolve around you being drunk, <laughs> me being drunk, or all of us collectively being drunk? Um, that, that might be something to look into. Um, and, just, and we agreed, you know, okay, we're going to change the name, but if we're going to change the name and probably get merch printed with it and stuff like that, we really need to take it seriously. And Beyond Grace was when we started to take it seriously. And when was that? What, what year are we talking? When the Monstrous EP came out, just before that. 2014, something like that, I think. Okay. Yeah, right. All right, that's, that's good, because I was, I was looking up stuff, and like you said, Metal Archives is always the best place to go. And uh, I saw all that other shit in there, and I thought that's... I do this website that goes along with this that has been under work for like two years, so you can't see it, but, but it exists. And I was putting in stuff for you guys, and I was like, let's just say it's 2014, because that yeah. looks like when it, when it actually... When, it, when you actually yeah. form. Um, we were, so we were just messing around really before then, I think, and it was... If I could, I'd strike those years from the record. Then again, yeah. it would have been fun. Right, right, right. Well, when, when, maybe that's the way to do it, too, to, to uh, do it under a different name for a little while so you can disassociate yourself once you get, <laughs> once you get good enough to be like, hey, you know, that was, that was what it was. We're, we're something entirely different now. But what was the not... Like, you guys are... says you're based out of Nottingham. Is that, is that where what your local scene was? Yeah. Um, we all, at some point or other, went to university in Nottingham. Um, and that, so that's kind of how we all met originally, one way or another, through the university uh, music scene. Right. What was the scene like there? Well, I mean, as far as specifically, specifically uh, with death metal or extreme music? So Nottingham is pretty good for its size. Um, you've got some really good venues that get some of the bigger tours going through like Rock City is a kind of classic one um, yeah I, it's hard to answer there because we're not really part of the local scene very much oh, you're not? Uh, not, in, not, not in the sense that you know we dislike it like we'll go to the gigs and like the you know the bring your own beer stuff and the little venues the, the, the squat houses like that uh, up, to, up to the big stuff uh, and we know a lot of the bands around here but we don't really fit in with a lot of them so we don't tend to get on many gigs with them really mm-hmm. um, I think we ended up one of the reasons we ended up playing so many gigs in both Manchester and London when we started out was because those happens to have scenes where our music fits in a bit better than it does around here so that's not a criticism around here 
which didn't fit in and finding somewhere to play wasn't always easy because it's got a a good up and coming sort of crusty black metal scene it had quite a big deathcore scene back when we were but deathcore and thrash i think were the, were the two okay. um things that were a lot when we were first like really starting to do shows and we can play with both of those we don't really fit necessarily um, right. but they, you know occasionally we're nice enough to invite us on which is thank you to whoever did that i can't remember <laughs> who it was now um but it definitely made us think well where is our where this is the scene which we like you know going to gigs in but where is where is our scene um and that ended up being scattered among quite a lot of different bands around the uk really we, our scene is quite disparate nice well hey sometimes that's so that's that's the better it's a better situation to be in allows you to transcend some and get in some different get in some different uh get an under well in some different eyes on some different ears um than you would yeah. rather play into a crowd that knows what they're was going there for one thing and get something different um but so 2014 to now that's quite a bit of time uh you've put out a few different releases oh i don't know i don't know which things have been official you know you look on streaming services it's a little confusing sometimes with the singles and all that um but but uh our kingdom undone is the first thing that i'm aware of and i assume that's because uh it's prosthet because of prosthetic records is are you finding that to be the case across the board right now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we had an album before this in 2017, Seekers, uh, that we was all completely self-released. Um, and, it, you know, we got it out there a little bit and uh, we got really good reaction to it. But definitely having prosthetic behind Our Kingdom Undone has pushed it out to way more people than, uh, than it would have if we'd done it ourselves. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what we wanted going into like looking at you know record labels and seeing who would be prepared to put it out you know we wanted to work with someone who would put us out to a much wider audience than we would uh, we would find ourselves so yeah it's been great it's a bit like um applying it to getting a political endorsement in that <laughs> sense you know yeah. you can be a, a one candidate amongst many and as soon as you get endorsed by the right person people start to take you seriously um I, of course, it also has had knock-on effects. We've sold a bunch of copies of Seekers in the last couple of weeks since the release. <laughs> yeah. Since people have found it, they've probably bought the new album and gone, oh, they've got another one, and, and they've come and bought it off us, which is really nice. So thanks, everyone, who's uh, bought the first album. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way I've listened to your listen to Seekers was because I've heard of Our Kingdom Undone, you know? Yeah. Like, all right, I'll go. you got to work backwards, yeah. And sometimes that's how you find your favorite shit from, from certain bands. Um, oh, yeah. but, but so far, Our Kingdom Undone is, is definitely the, the stuff that I like most that you guys have done, which I'm sure that's what you want to hear. Um, but what would you say is the big difference, or if, if, if there is a big difference, between Our Kingdom Undone and the rest of your material? <clears throat> same uh, sigh at the same time. That was pretty, <laughs> it's pretty yeah. synchronized there. We're, we're quite considerate people. We've got to take a second before we answer <laughs> Uh, Ed might agree. I think we have matured a lot, which, you know, not in the sense that we've turned into Nickelback or whatever. Or that. Uh, um, seekers, there was a lot of, I wouldn't say infighting, but I remember quite when we're writing things, a lot of yelling at each other and a bit of, a bit of you know, stamping your feet and, and, no, it should be this way. This one, I don't really remember many instances of that at all. Uh, we were all not just on the same page, but all a lot more open to, okay, Where's the song going on its own? Not, I've got an idea for the song. It must go in this way. Someone would play a part and everyone would sort of feel it and we'd 
get in the sort of same zone, same mindset. And all the songs ended up, I mean, they still need a little bit of corralling and controlling now and then, but the songs were created a lot more naturally. And I was going to say easily. I don't think anything of those comes easily, but um, a lot more organically, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's, that's probably a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, I think we definitely, part of the kind of, as you say, maturation in the songwriting process was kind of allowing there to be a bit more space. I think on maybe the earlier stuff, we kind of, we were trying to throw, as Andy, as Andy said, kind of shoehorn it, all the ideas we wanted yeah. in there, yeah. rather than just sitting back and going, actually, what does, you know, what needs to happen here? Do we need to be doing all these things all at once? And like, I think that's allowed for a bit more, a bit more space and a bit more time for us to just like, just sit in with the ideas that we've got and uh, hone them and make them work as best they can, rather than trying to do everything all at once. <laughs> we also added a new member in the meantime, yes. who had a you know, uh, he's complained that we've given him too much credit so far. Actually, so, uh, <laughs> let's give him no credit at all and say he made no difference. Uh, that's, not, that's not true. He. Although he complains we give him too much credit, uh, he is a, a subtle worker. You know, he, he tweaks things as we're going on and adds just a little bit of a sounding board. Um, I don't think he gives himself enough credit for doing that. Um, that's our new guitarist, Chris. Uh, he joined us during the... Basically when we released Seekers. Yeah, about then, yeah. When we were out playing the guitarist. He joined and then we kept him. Well, nice. Well, the... the, the... There's an interesting thing that you, that Ed, you kind of mentioned. Well, you both mentioned it, but the, but that I've heard from a lot of people who have written a couple records, right? I mean, it's just a similar similar thing where you've you don't you realize like you don't need to just kick ass the entire time. You don't need to just go go fucking full speed the entire like because if that was if it was that easy, then that's that's what everybody does. That's what you do when you're a new band. You just go. You're like, all right, I want to just. We're just going to floor it. We're going to be as extreme and violent as possible, you know, in whatever capacity. And and then later, like you said, you mature. You step back and be like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's take a different approach and just make do what sounds good and what sounds best instead of just what feels, you know, extreme or, or, yeah. or yeah, fast. But um, there's been I've, – I've noticed – from everything that I've seen, the the coverage that I've seen from the record, there's been a, a lot of focus on the lyrical content. And uh, did you anticipate that? And was that something that you had? Were you, were you dealing with the same themes on Seekers, or is this all new for Our Kingdom Undone? I didn't anticipate it. I hoped for it. Um, as Ed will no doubt tell you, I put an obscene amount of effort into my lyrics, which is hilarious when you consider what I then do is yell, growl, and streak them. <laughs> in what I hope is at least a borderline intelligible manner but isn't always um, so the amount of effort I put into you know the little little rhyme schemes and the half rhymes and I'm being really clever as long as I, I, well as long as I'm happy with them it, it's fine I can, I yeah. can deliver them better if I'm happy but I hope someone would pay attention you know, even if one person did and it's, it's been it's been good I said it wasn't it wasn't intended to be a political album when we started yeah uh, that just happened to be how it turned out um, it's all quite personal stuff you know it, it is very much comes from a comes from me comes from my core rather than trying to actually tell people what to do what to live it's all things i'm feeling uh it's it's been gratifying to see the response uh to the yeah. lyrics actually 
And um, and it's actually made us think of a few different things. Like, you know, if we're going to make these sorts of statements, what else can we do? So, you know, we did the, we did the latest run of T-shirts on um, sustainable fabrics because we realized you know, putting, on, putting on money where our mouth is in that sense, sure. really. And going to try and keep on, you know, doing that. We're not perfect by any means, but if we can do little things like that to really, you know, stand up for what we what we're saying, what we believe in. Ed, any comments? <laughs> yeah, I, I distinctly remember when we started writing uh, the first couple of songs for this album, Andy came to us and was like, guys, I've got some lyrics. I really like them. They're getting really political. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he w- you were kind of almost like uncomfortable about that because, as you say, we never set out to be like political band, you know. We're not Rage Against the Machine, um, but you, <laughs> and you were definitely like, "Is this is this going to be okay? Do, is everyone kind of okay with it going down this road?" And I think we're we're all more like pretty much on the same page with with everything. So we, yeah, as you say, they, the lyrics came out really well, and the fact that people have responded positively and kind of you know taken that on board. I think it's been a really good thing. I mean, I think part of the reason I, I felt so, um, I was so, so concerned about it was there are a couple of songs on Seekers that slightly lean in that direction. Oracle and Acolytes and Altars all have a touch of that, but it's all a bit more cloaked in sort of high-minded language. Um, whereas this one, I was trying to be a bit more, I was still trying to keep it quite poetic. I, think, I still think there's a lot to be said by not just saying, this bad stop this do better thing it's, it's not you can't get someone's attention without with that sort of you know just in your just blatant sloganeering in that sense um and just telling what to do but i did feel like the message was a lot stronger and a lot clearer it wasn't quite as it was i was being poetic with with the message rather than poetic to disguise the message and there was that concern of is this is this going to put people off am i misrepresenting us um and then i think the response was basically it's not misrepresenting us and who cares what people think Fair enough, and and I, th- I find that to be uh, really cool of you to uh, you know bring it up to them in the first place, uh, just to say because my I mean the way I stand, I don't need you to, to like you know it's nice of you to to consider them and saying maybe even I don't need you to agree with what I'm saying, but I need you to be okay with me saying it because I'm saying it you being the front man you you being the one who's putting the words out there. You, you represent the band, whether you want to or not, you know, yeah. when the, the lyrics that are on the album are part of the band. Um, so I, I think it's, that's admirable of you to say, first of all, here's what I'm going to do. Are you guys all right with that? Also, great for you guys for saying, for who gives a shit? Just, just do it. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, uh, I, think that's, I think that's why we were all okay with it. It's because we all kind of, as I say, we're all on the same page with it. And I don't think any of us... You know, no one makes death metal to be rich and famous. So, <laughs> trying to say, oh, but what, what's going to be more popular? Like, that's not why. That's not why any of us do this band. We do it because we we write the music we like. Yeah. We write music we want to hear. Andy writes lyrics about things that he is thinking about and that he's interested in. So that's that's just what we've done. Um, it just so happened that that's what it, that's what came out as a result. But it's what we wanted to do. So that's the one thing. I wanted to avoid as well was the sort of, as I said, empty sloganeering that you get with certain bands whose names I won't mention, but may have already been mentioned in this conversation. Um, 
you know, shouting about. <clears throat> so I, I banned myself from using the word revolution uh, <laughs> because it's just, it's just it's become a nonsense, neutered, watered down word that means nothing. Right. Um, in in or out of context, really, there you know. I mean, metal isn't exactly the metal lyrics aren't exactly the place to have a a detailed discussion about how to promote lasting change in society and sort of thing like that. But I definitely felt that some of them were just really vague, wishy-washy, hand-wavy words and, and statements and slogans to try to avoid those. So I think, and I think I might do that. But that was that was another concern when writing the lyrics. Well, no, it's it's nice to it's a nice to, and I know I'm not speaking against all death metal bands at all, but there's not a whole lot of context most of the time to lyrics for death metal bands. You know, there's a lot yeah. of it's it's just fun, right? I mean, that's what. I don't know. It's like I don't give a sh- I don't want to read I don't, gory, you know that that type of that type of uh, or the fantasy lyrics. They don't do anything for me. I realize they're part of the genre, but they're the most they're the biggest part of the genre. I would say, and uh, it's nice to have something different, something a little more uh, poignant, a little more yeah. you know, that makes it that has a purpose. I came up with something recently that if we were a more of an aborted style band, would have been great. And sadly, yeah. we're never going to be in a ported style band. So those lyrics will unfortunately just sit in the bottom of the pile to never get used. Yeah, it's really good as well. Let's change, it, let's change what type of band we are. Right? Screw it. <laughs> just, just assume me. Well, have you gotten have you gotten any pushback from from fans of the band previously, or even just new people who aren't obviously fans about the lyrical content? I've not seen anything. I, I think there was seen one or two comments on YouTube videos, but like... That's where you're going to get them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Any YouTube video has, you know, stupid comments, people complaining about any aspect of it. So I've I've not yet seen, and I'm sure there probably is some out there, but I've not seen anyone kind of saying, oh, I would, you know, not going to listen to this band because of the things they're saying or anything like that. So... No. Um, The the, the only one I recall is the one on the the Fearmonger video. Yeah, we put it. We put it right up front in the Fearmonger video. We played. We rented a, a local cinema, uh, which had been shut due to the pandemic. Um, and, it's, and I mean, by local, I mean it is about a twenty-second walk from my house, nice. uh, which is fantastic. And, and we've all lived around here when we were studying, so we've all lo- known and loved the place. Uh, and it's just a suggestion, like, oh, what if we can use that? You know, we can give them some money, support them as a business, because you know, it, they are what nineteen twenties they've been around for, or longer, something like that. It's it's, you know, it's long running business in an old building and then we can have this this projection on the back which we spent ages put, putting together and putting together um bunch of just tech, you know generally divisive political figures you know the the ones if you've seen the video and even yeah. if you haven't you probably guess um and mostly that people really got that and thought it was cool but but we had the couple of you know really comments that are so dumb i'm not sure what impact they were meant to have it's this this comment makes you look stupider not us <laughs> what have you achieved here really um the only, the only comments, really negative comments I've seen um, have been about people who don't quite like that we change style slightly from Seekers. Hmm. Um, so we wanted bigger riffs. We wanted songs that were perhaps not as obviously tech, uh, subtle tech. By the way, I'd remind me uh, to get some t-shirts printed uh, to rip off, you know, Archbyers Stay Tech. I want, I want subtle tech on ours instead. Uh, <laughs> No, I love Archfire too. That would uh, that would be quite fun. Um, and then, you know, some of them said, I think they said the, the riffs were. One person said the riffs were lazy, or and some other bits and pieces like that. 
And again, I think it's because we went for a much more subtle way of doing things. The riffs are, are still quite technical, but it is a lot more subtle. There's a lot more in terms of we're doing more with the structures and the time signatures instead of just chopping and changing. Like you said earlier, we're not just throwing it all in your face. And I think people who thought we fit in more cleanly with Tech Death on the first one, and, and we do, I think that the title track, which I love, and like Apoptosis, so those bit more in the, the pure Tech Death, might have been a bit thrown by the fact we we don't really do that on the new album. I think, to be honest, Ed, we probably shouldn't have used technical death metal on, on the selling. I think might give people the wrong impression. Not them against it, but, you know. And I think the next stuff we've been writing moves even further away from that, but I think we'll probably stop using that moniker just because it's it's not appropriate. Uh, not that we fall out of love with it by any means. Um, I think some of them will come around. It's a grower of an album. Like it, It's definitely one that takes a lot more time to appreciate the layers. But yeah, the only pushback I've seen is... Um, people expecting Seekers 2.0 and getting instead an album that sounds like our kingdom undone. <laughs> well, like as we talked about before, the exposure has got to be different between Seekers and our kingdom undone. And I think if you lost anything from what's not, from it not being Seekers, you're going to gain more from it being kingdom or our kingdom undone. So, I mean, sucks to lose some people. Maybe you don't lose them completely, but if you're, you know, might work out in the end. Um, the uh, was this whole product, or was this the whole album? Was it a pre-pandemic product? Was it written during, or was it a, a full lockdown it, record? It was all written and recorded before 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 lockdown. And I think we got the final mix and masters maybe April. Oh. 2020 so right right in the shit so basically just <laughs> yeah. when the shit was really hitting the fan everywhere i think, uh, we, got them. I think we got them before there because i think we planned to re- i think we had a plan to release it and the pandemic hit just after we basically made the plan and, and we went oh well we'll just delay a couple of months because obviously this will all blow over yeah <laughs> narrator's voice but, it did not blow over <laughs> in but in a way it's worked out for us because you know, we we plan to go down the same route as Seekers and I think in self release. Um, and we kind of looked at talking to labels and stuff, but we'd we'd had a few kind of conversations with a few people, um, but it hadn't hadn't come to anything. And it wasn't until after the pandemic had kind of kicked in that we got chatting with the guys from Prosthetic. So, uh, slightly. Modify that, Ed. Okay. Uh, you got to mention. You've got to mention credit where credit is due. Uh, yeah. It's actually uh, Charles Elliott. Um, he he produced and mixed the record Tastemaker Audio. He's also from Man from Abysmal Dawn. Um, when he, when we were obviously he'd, he'd mixed it and we were still chatting. When we said you know we're having to delay because we don't know what's going on you know with the pandemic, he said, well why are you delaying? Would you like me to send it on to Prosthetic? I really like the album. I think you've done a really good job, and I'm really proud of like his own work on it. Um, I know them. Would you like me to send it on? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, the only modifier I'd say there That's is it, yeah, yeah. we fully owe him a lot, <laughs> and, and really grateful that he felt good enough about the work he'd done, the work we'd done. To you know, he stuck his neck out for us there. Really, you know, he, put, he yeah. put, his, put his name on the line and said, "I recommend this." You know, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> but yeah, and as a result, we were chatting with Virgin Prosthetic kind of over the first few months of lockdown and everything, and uh, here we are. Finally, finally, 
released. <laughs> well, that's that's awesome, and I've heard I've heard similar stories from other bands, um, maybe prosthetic. I've had quite a few prosthetic artists on here in the last year or two, um, and it might be, but but it, to get to my point though about prosthetic is that they seem really open to signing bands that are I don't want to say unproven in any way, but it, but in a in a period where. Well, I mean, the pandemic was going. Why would you like risk signing new shit then when you did? We didn't. Know, I mean, I've <laughs> I've had people on now that I had on at the beginning of the pandemic, like you were saying, when we thought it was already over. You know, <laughs> and then we look back and go, "Oh Jesus, that was a year and a half ago." Um, but anyway, Prosthetic has done a great job by just signing and keep just keep moving and uh, taking chances with bands, and I think it's it's been awesome to see. And uh, you guys are another example of that. Um, how much uh, was was the entire like as how much of a handprint do they have on our kingdom undone did they have any insight on on uh, album artwork on sequencing on on anything uh they the, the tiniest like feather touch uh we had artwork done by our friend and artist michael cowell uh, he did the artwork for seekers mm-hmm. um he'd, he'd done something for us for this one um but it kind of predated a lot of the songs um, what's funny is we are going to use that artwork eventually uh, because I've used it to inspire some some lyrics for the third album already, which we're already working on. <laughs> Just drop that in there now. Nice. Um, the only thing Prosthetic said was like, I don't. They don't think this fits what you've written. It might have fit when you started. The final product doesn't. We we can't see necessarily how to market this art and this album together. Um, and they basically gave us a list of I think five or six names and said, you know, here's some people we really like. We think would work really well with you your music um other than that you know just we just like something a bit they think they were they wanted to be more striking or bombastic which obviously we ended up with uh with with shindy's design um and that was it they didn't touch the the lyrics into the sequencing they you know because we already had a full product in hand it was really good for them that they could you know listen to the whole thing and just say right we we don't have to mess around with this (laughs) um the only thing we didn't have was you know Artwork to which we then had to get you know proofed and uh, get the you know the lyric booklet read and written and all that sort of stuff. Make sure we uh, credited everyone in the band, Ed. There's <laughs> a running joke because myself and Andrew, the bassist, uh, used to play in another band, and we once put out an EP, uh, and on the CD sleeves we didn't name check the singer. <laughs> His name was not on there. <laughs> That's perfect, though. I mean, even as, even as somebody who used to be a singer in a band, we don't need that. You know, we got, there's enough ego. You can... Like, we'd all proofread it. We'd all looked it over and said, yeah, that's fine. And it just wasn't on there. Um, yes. So, hopefully, everything is right. On the, on the yeah, I've, I've gone through and I haven't spotted any spelling mistakes yet. I, I knew as soon as I, I clicked submit to the gut to prosthetic and said, right, everything's fine. I've, I've double, triple checked all the lyrics. Um, I did have a panic just after we'd submitted it when I went back and I was you know, relearning something. And I think we did we did a pre-demo type version of Barmicide, um just while we were while we were still on sign and stuff like that, just to put something out there. We got uh, Matt from Slugs to do some guest vocals on it because Matt's a good friend and he's he's a great guy. Um, and I assume we'll still be. It's not online at the minute because it sort of clashes with the album, but we'll we'll be putting it back up at some point, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I was listening to that version and turned out I'd said the line slightly differently in that version than I did in the album version. I hadn't realized I was listening to the wrong version. I thought, oh, God, I've <laughs> sent the wrong lyrics in. And then went back to the album version and said, no, I have sent the right lyrics in. It's fine. I just 
clearly record it slightly differently on the two different versions, it's fine. But, you know, that was literally the only thing they insisted on. And they didn't even insist that hard. They were just, you know, very open and friendly about it. Our relationship with them has been quite, um, I was going to say hands-off, um, which makes me sound like they don't care. Um, <laughs> light touch, if you want yeah. that sense. Um, they, they, well, I'm sure, Ed, it was like at least four months of negotiating on the contract, which was a long oh, time. Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth, but it was, as you say, it was, you know, it was all... Good yeah, well, I mean, we did four months and they still signed us. You know, we, yeah. we were quite <laughs> yeah, so. insistent on, you know, change this, chop this, oh, okay. we need this clarifying, and they still signed us in the end, so they must have <laughs> seen something in us and wanted us. Sure, sure. And, and I, I mean, I don't know what the other artwork looked like, but the artwork that you got here is cool. I don't think I know totally what's going on with it, just because I'm looking at it on, you know, a phone. So what what is what is the artwork here? So uh, the theme... Um, so what, what I do in a lot of my lyrics is, I, I said this in another review, I'm a lyrical magpie was how I describe myself. And I steal a lot <laughs> of um, things from TV and books and history and politics. So just, you know, things I'll say people, I'll see people have written down or have said in, in interviews like that. I'm like, okay, that's a good line. I'll steal that, modify it. I do the same with sort of what I call, I call archetypal imagery. So the always had the, the woman on the cover. Um, she is partially Boudicca. Um, obviously rebelling against the, the Romans. She's partially representing Lady Godiva's uh, naked ride. Um, just just to point out that there's nothing sexualized about her. One, one person, um, understandably, was a bit sort of perturbed by the fact, you know, it's a naked woman straddling an animal on a cover. And if you just said the, the, the cover is a naked woman straddling an animal on a, you'd expect... Sounds you know, like a Spinal terrible... Tap record. Exactly, <laughs> right? Um, um, and... She's also Blind Lady Justice um, because of the blindfold, which became yeah. kind of a theme for the, the album as a whole. Um, there's, you know, vultures in there who appear in the lyrics. There's arrows, which reference hive mind. There's tons of little references um, about, you know, and it's, it's a picture of the futility of war. There's, it's quite a... I've said it elsewhere, but uh, Shindy, I gave him a terrible paint mock-up. I gave him the lyrics. And I gave him my sort of impression of what the album was about. And he, he ran with it. He added, you know, all the detail and, and the blocking and, and really just changed it. I originally, she was meant to have a flag. And he said, you know, if, if she has the flag, there's going to be tons of space at the top because the flag needs to be quite tall. Mm-hmm. So he changed the tattered flag to her hair going instead and, and sort of mimicked the movement. You know, all those things where you get an artist who knows his stuff. Sure. Um, really adds that. Um, and, and it's quite a sad image, I think, is the only impression I get. And it's quite a sad record, actually, surprisingly. There's a lot of anger, but it's, all, it's quite sad and frustrated. And he got that out in the artwork a lot, I think. Um, and I re- I'm really looking forward to seeing it on vinyl, because obviously it's, it's got a lot of detail. And when it's on, the, and it's a double spread. So once it's really mm-hmm. it's folded out, it's going to look fantastic. Well, is that, that's a, that, that brings up something I like to ask. And when, when a band's releasing a new record, what are, what are you most looking forward to about this release? I know it's already out, by the way. But the, that it's out there... Is it getting it in your hands? Is it getting the record? Is it just finally getting people to hear what you've been working on for years? You know, what's the what's the best part about finally releasing this on September 3rd? I think the fact we actually got to play in front of people on release day yeah. was, was really good. And we played the album in start to finish in its entirety. Um, and I... We're looking to do a few more dates later in the year, and I'm—I mean, personally, I'm just looking forward to actually getting out and playing some of these songs because, you know, we haven't had the chance with a lot of them. Um, we played, you know, we had a few of them in that we wrote a while ago that we have played. You know, we were out playing before pandemic, but 
about half the album, apart from the album release show, we've you know, never played in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think actually getting out and playing these songs to people and seeing their reactions to it in person, I think that's that's going to be the best thing for me. Yeah, you stole my answer there. Basically, I was going to, you know, it's been nice to see the reaction. It's been nice to, be nice to see people getting it. Um, like good reviews and all are, are great. You know, we we start off. I think our first review we got for it was a six by the parrot who runs Decibel. Not music for parrots, apparently. Uh, and the next one was a seven, and we got a couple of sevens. I thought actually, you know, being so close to it, I'm still seeing all the flaws. I think that would improve next time. Maybe, maybe seven is about right. Then we were getting eights and nines, and I was like, okay, let's. Well, Clearly, people like it. I, I still think there's definitely room for improvement, but I'm removing the score from the equation. It's when you see people have understood what the record's about, mm-hmm. not just thematically, but you understood why we chose to do the production we did, because the production isn't all your standard in your face brick walling. You know, it's, it's not common, and some people have been quite put off by it. And then you get the handful of people who are like, "Oh, but yeah." One, as you slowly turn it up, you know, everything still stays clear. You know, you can still hear the bass. The drums sound natural. That's what we're going for. You, you're getting it. You know, yeah. the songs flow how they're supposed to we didn't just say we have to hit a chorus at 45 seconds we have to hit a double chorus a minute and a half later and you know to see people writing about it to see people getting for example that the title track not only musically is kind of a, an amalgamation of all the others in a lot of ways really takes you know some ideas and expands them because it's got more space because 12 minutes but also it has little bits where some of the lyrics it ties the whole theme of the record together um, I, I've taken some bits and pieces from The Handmaid's Tale in one of the songs, and then some bits and pieces from it from a different part come back in the title track, for example. So they tie the thing together. People getting that has been really gratifying. Like it, it's less important that they give us, you know, ten out of ten best album ever, and more that people understand and it, it makes a connection. Um, but yeah, before that, I was going to say that just getting out to play live again would be would be fantastic. Like I said, we played we played Dark Forest, Barmaside, Persona, and Fearmonger live. I think. Uh, we'd never played, I'm sure we'd never played Hive Mind Live or Factions or Peace. And we'd definitely never played the title track. It's 12 minutes. And again, fitting that into a set. I'm yeah, really hoping tough. that the next couple of dates we have, we're currently booking and looking for, we manage to get slightly more than half an hour. Because if we get slightly more than half an hour, I can convince the guys. <laughs> the title track. Yeah. Nice. Well, I did see the, the live stream that you did on the release day. And uh, and you mentioned earlier, um, Andy, the the... The black, the eye. What I forget what you call it. The, you know what I'm talking, trying to say. The uh, yeah. What is the what's the significance about that? Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of obvious, but but go ahead, please. You explain it rather than I. Um. So the <clears throat> the chorus of the title track uh, is "We Are the Blinded, Led by the Blind." Mm-hmm. Uh, open to interpretation, but obviously it's a relatively clear meaning. And I've, I've always <laughs> I've always liked. I didn't just want our promo photos to be five guys with their arms crossed stood in front of a, a brick wall, a corrugated steel door, or a train track, which are the three main death metal uh, yeah, promo photos. Yeah, of course. Yeah. If, we're, if we were a black metal band, we could be in the woods, we could have been like, a stream, on a, on a hill, in the mountains. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. there's so much more space if you're a black metal band <laughs> for epic album shots. If you're a death metal band, do it in your back garden, basically. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, the first set of promo shots are actually done in my basement. Um, you can't tell. I've got a brick kill room in the basement which appears in the factions video as well did you so have sleeves there. on in that one oh, i did not know okay no, no, i don't i don't i don't wear sleeves unless <laughs> i'm forced to by, by the government or my or by work um and i just wanted some sort of, of theme I wanted to tie everything together so 
the promo shots, uh, you, the most widely used ones with the, with the fire, mm-hmm. um, we were all in actual blindfolds there. Um, the fire is actually a globe, which if you look carefully, you can see, um, because the line in Fearmonger is, uh, they lit the match and fanned the flames and now the world is burning. So there's all these little touches. Um, about two seconds after that photo, by the way, it's an epic photo, you're using real fire. Our, our, um, our videographer who takes all our photos kind of hates us because we use real fire or we use, you know, real lump hammers and real crowbars and real blowtorch in the video and real, real barbed wire in hive mind. It's like, like I couldn't the, find any fake. the Tom Cruise of death metal. You're doing all your own stunts. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I'm, I'm the priest in the hive mind video because I didn't want anyone else to be really uncomfortable in that um, gas mask where it's also got chicken wire in the eyes to simulate um, sort of insect eyes and the chicken wire is cutting into my nose every time I put it on <laughs> uh, and I'm boiling because we're inside this pitch black room. And then in the hive mind video, I'm getting beaten up by Tim. And so all the bits where I'm you know, being thrown on the floor and hit or kicked because Tim did make contact a few times. It's like, okay, I'll do it. Um, I, I got waterboarded as well and forgot to hold my breath the first time. So that was unpleasant. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, cycling back, it, it was this idea to have it all thematically linked together. So you know, we, we wanted to do the blindfolds. I, I've been trying to convince the guys to actually wear blindfolds live because you can kind of see through them, to be fair. Just a little stage magic there, a little trick. Um, but they, I, I think we'll still keep considering it, maybe for special occasions. But actual blindfolds can slip off and move. Um, so we went with the uh, the painted on. The uh, we the woman who helped us out with all the burn damage and the the bruises and the bleeding on the factions video. Uh, she is a obviously a makeup artist uh, for film and TV and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She advised us to get this particular type that you know probably wouldn't run with sweat. Um, she <laughs> underestimated well, how much we sweat, sadly. Um, but yeah, it just—it's a—I just like the idea of going that slight extra mile, giving that slight extra bit of visual appreciation to things. Um, and it ties to back to um, to seekers a little bit as well, because the video for Oracle um, involved. She was, yeah, Sylvia She she choreographed an entire dance up. Before uh, this album, we'd never appeared in any of our music videos. Yeah. Uh, one, one was just a, an abstract dance piece, which is fantastic. One was a, a weird little story, partially based on the Jeff Vandermeer book I, I used some lyrics from. Um, I mean, even Ed, uh, the the mascot from Seekers, the Odin Christ, he is he's blindfolded. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I might, might, we might just make that a theme going forward. It's it, it, <laughs> a gimmick. It's, yeah. You got to stick with so it. Let, now. So let, not have, let not have their masks. We'll just yeah. wear, wear different blindfolds each time. I think you think it's, it's it's a simpler and easier one to pull off. So, but I, I I like it. It's it's a cool look, and uh, it's it's I appreciated seeing it throughout. Like you're talking about, like it was you know it's you see the blindfolds everywhere f- on a lot of the promotion for this record. Um, the one speaking of just visuals, the the video for factions. Um, I was watching that earlier, and I just see. I mean, like I'm not I'm not that turned off by by uh violence but first that was a really unsettling video for me i think maybe the <laughs> the the pliers in the mouth really did it for me too but the uh but it was all it was, it was all very cool very well done um I, I obviously sounds like you had somebody help you who who knew what they were doing as far as the burns and all that all that stuff um and i think i understand the point of the video but can you elaborate on what what's what we're seeing there so uh 
So the song, obviously, is about the the damage that's done by the loudest, most obnoxious voices online, but not always online, um, how they, they essentially poison the well of our ability to discuss things rationally, how everything becomes uh, you know, factionalized, picking sides. They're, the world becomes ever more divided. The video is sort of an extension of the idea in the sense that they're all they're doing by doing that is, is hurting themselves, hurting everyone, really. Um, and it, you know, it comes back to bite them. I see people you know, online who so desperate to belong to a group, they don't realize that as soon as they make the even slightest infraction, they're out, sort of thing, in that sense. And that, you know, as, as they keep moving the Overton window further and further um, to the right, as they say, you know, how extreme do you have to get to, to belong and that sort of thing? How much damage are you willing to do to yourself and to people around you to belong to the group? Um, and so I sold the, the video. I think the, the pitch was Reservoir Dogs meets Red Dwarf. Um, because there's a famous episode, episode of Red Dwarf where they enter the justice zone. It's impossible to commit crime because anything you do to the, the person you're trying to commit the crime to happens to you. And they, they illustrate it by he tries to set fire to some bed sheets and he, his back gets on fire. So yeah, it's, it's very funny. And the video was perhaps meant to be slightly more comedy than it ended up being. Um, it, it, the final yeah, product turned up. Yeah, the final product definitely turned out a lot darker than I expected. Um, I think Ed was worried that YouTube wouldn't even let it on. Yeah, it all crossed my mind that they would uh, censor it. I did. I as I was watching it, I thought maybe there should have been and not for my benefit, but you know, if one of those warning screens at the beginning. That they, that they do yeah. put up that, that says there's, you know, graphic content. But, you know, because it's not gory or anything. I guess it is to a sense. But, you know, it's more of a, it's just. It's the implication. There, there's yeah. a bit of blood that's clearly fake, but it, it still implies that. There's, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of the, the, the tooth in the yeah. mouth. Yeah. That's, that's, people don't particularly like that. The, the waterboarding scene, um, visually great. Um, and, and obviously I wasn't in any actual danger right. um, from, from any of it. Uh, I've seen a lot of people don't like the the hammer hitting the knee, the long hammer hitting the knee. Uh, but that's fine because that's, that's actually, actually shot in reverse. So I, I bent my leg in slightly to push the hammer against it, and then as I pushed back in the direction, he pulled away. So as you go the other way, it really looks like it hits me right, right in the kneecap because it actually was touching me. It just wasn't touching me in the direction people think. <laughs> um, so I think we we got around the YouTube sensor just by the slightly heightened reality of it a slight unreality of it got around that um but the message you know the you know spoilers uh the the revelation that you know it's actually tim himself in the chair he's been he's been doing it to himself this whole time long and you switch back and forth between all the shots where suddenly i'm doing it he's doing it he's doing it to me he's doing himself blah blah um yeah that that was kind of the message of just how how self-destructive are you willing to be to belong to one of these factions you know because people are out there well, I'm going to... Uh, yeah, you've seen the, the Nicki Minaj thing. That's right. I'm going to reference Nicki Minaj in, in our Death Mile <laughs> interview um, where she, uh, she clearly got taken in by a, a story about the vaccine. Um, and then instead of admitting, okay, yep, sorry, I, I, I made a mistake. I, I, I was taken in, which we've all done. You know, we've, we've all retweeted or said things gone, oh, that's really convincing. And then a couple hours later gone, hadn't thought about that. Oh, critical <laughs> thinking just kicked in. That doesn't really make sense. Right. Uh, instead, she's, she's doubled down on it and is now really kicking back and, and retweeting some quite questionable figures who are using her hesitancy to promote their own sort of thing. And, and that's how, how 
much are you, how much is she, how much is anyone willing to destroy themselves to appear right? You know, instead of just saying, yeah, hands up. I fucked that one up. Sorry, it's fine. Let's move on. It's a Streisand effect. But if you'd just done that, it would have gone away by now. There you go. Nicki Minaj reference. In, in, in <laughs> no, I like it. I like it. It's, 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 but it's, it's, a, it's a very good point. It's a huge issue right now with just people not saying, oops, you know, fucked up. But uh, that's, <laughs> that's the way it is, uh, for better or worse. Obviously worse, but, you know. Um, that's um, I mean, that, that's kind of inspired what is the working title of the next album as well. I'm not going to tell you because I won't, I won't get the. Uh... <laughs> no, no, no! Don't don't. Say I don't. Do <laughs> you not? Oh, I'll, I'll tell you later. <laughs> I love the record. I'm glad it puts you guys on my radar. Uh, well, thank you for taking the time to have this discussion. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else we? Oh no, I do. Before we stop, I want to I want to ask you um, about live dates. What's your plans? Is there plans to go on tour at this point? Where you at with yes. that? Oh God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've got one booked in Manchester, which is a festival we've been booked for for about two years now, and just it got cancelled in 2019, and then got cancelled again by the pandemic in 2020, obviously. Um, but it's now going forward. That's on 17th of October, and we're trying to fill up the 15th and the 16th just to give us some warm updates. Right. Because uh, we just played uh, another show with Cryptic Shift and Damim, who are two fantastic uh, UK metal bands. Um, I think we played better then than we did at the, li- at the live stream because, you know, the live stream was our first show in almost 21 months, I think. And for some reason, we decided to record and stream our first show in 21 <laughs> months like idiots. Um, but, you know, we're already getting back into the groove of it and really want to keep that going. So I'm I'm looking at some dates in sort of late November, maybe early December. And then we'll hopefully be looking for booking agent, you know. This week, basically, this week and next week, I'm going to reach out to a few people, reach out to Prosthetic for their advice, because next year we want to be going on tour with bigger bands if we can. Yeah, um, We've always enjoyed that, not in the sense of being too big for our boots, but when you play with a band like that, they just make you better. Sure. You know, some of the bands we've played with are just phenomenal, and just watching them every night, you think, okay, we can we can do more of that. That It just makes you want to be a better band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll be playing live. Oh, yeah, so much. And hopefully, you know, once Brexit settles down, I'm not going to be fixed. Once it settles down, we'll be hitting Europe. Um, that's the end next year, and you know, fate willing, the US at some point. Yeah, I've got friends over there who've you know offered to help out and open invitation to a certain festival and things like that. We want to take advantage of you know before the world ends. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you get to do all those things before it all f- falls apart again, because who knows what the hell's coming. Yeah, right. Next month. But uh but yeah. All right. Well, um I think we cover most of it. If there's anything else, I don't know, we can nope. do it again. But just um, wanted, yeah, thank you, man. Um, yeah. honestly it's 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 so much it's great to talk about ourselves, obviously, because right. yeah. <laughs> who doesn't enjoy that? But it's, it's it's a lot of fun. You know, really enjoyed this. So thank you for like reaching out and stuff like that. it's been really good. Absolutely, no problem. All right, guys, Andy, Ed, talk to you soon. But thanks. Yeah.
So there you have it. That was my conversation with the fellas in Beyond Grace. The song you just heard was called Factions Speak Louder Than Herds. And there's an awesome video that we talked about that you can check out over on the YouTube if you know where that's at. I suggest you going there, finding that website. A lot of stuff on that website. A lot of stuff you can learn. Or you can just watch music videos, which is mostly what I do. I also watch videos on how to regrout the tile on my bathroom floor that really was just done less than a year ago but it needs done again because the guy did a poor job and uh and um uh, i'm not learning anything yet because i usually watch them on mute while i'm trying to poop in the middle of the night but uh you know that's uh, it's progress right you got i'm figuring it out i got the tools i need now i just need to make sure i do it correctly i don't want to do it wrong anyway enough about that uh i want to thank the guys again from beyond grace for having a chat you may or may not have noticed, depending on my editing skills, that there was a lot of stuff happening while we did that interview. My daughter was here. Um, it was the middle of the day. There was a few interruptions. There was a couple strange noises. You might have heard some cats meowing. You might have heard uh, <laughs> some boxes falling. I don't know. I think I got it all out, though. I think I was able to edit it out. But if not, whatever. That's what that was, if you were wondering. Um, but yeah, uh, what else? That, no, you know what? Nothing else. Um, let's end this one with it. Let's end this one with another song from a prosthetic records band, a band that I thought I was going to try and get on here at one point, but I think that time may have passed. But never say never, I guess. I played a song from them before in the past. They're called Domination Campaign. They're out of Tasmania. This guy from Psychroptic has this band, and the song that I want to play is the last track off of their album Onward to Glory. It's called The Domination Campaign, and I think it rocks, and I think you'll like it too especially if you like any other stuff you've heard on this episode. But that's it, I guess. If you can please subscribe, rate, review, that'd be great. I don't ever ask people to do that, but uh, you know what? It's been a while. It's time to put out that, put, put that out for once. Um, anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.